Today we're gonna to talk about a realtor's most valuable resource. No, it's not time and it isn't your clients. It's actually your reputation. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Jerry Wolking, but before we get to Jerry, just a couple of quick reminders as we finish up 2023, the best holiday gift you could give us, not that we're asking you, but if you are so uh, inspired and, and love our podcast, uh, please do share it with a friend. Uh, won't cost you anything, but please send them a link to either our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode can be streamed from any browser or uh, send them a link to from Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you might be listening to this podcast and also please leave us a review let us know what you think of the show we appreciate it but i hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season we're going to be cranking out just as many episodes this month as per usual and we have some really exciting things planned for 2024 so stay tuned for that but let's get to the main event my conversation with jerry wolkin Today on the show, my guest is Jerry Wolking from Keller Williams Greater Quad Cities, uh, which is actually Illinois and Iowa. So there's four cities for those of you not in the Midwest and not familiar with, I guess, Quad Cities was self-explanatory, but it actually borders two states, uh, Illinois and Iowa. But let me tell you more about Jerry. By the way, uh, before I get into Jerry's bio, uh, Jerry is uh, Alex Wolking's father. Alex is somebody we featured recently on our show. We were so incredibly impressed with Alex. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I really encourage you to do that. And Alex is like, oh, I learned everything from my dad. So we're like, we probably should bring his dad on too, who's also a very successful agent for 30 plus years. But let me let me go through more of Jerry's bio. Uh, Jerry's been in the business since April of 1993. That is 30 plus years. Congratulations. Uh, he started as a part-time agent, like so many of us, and became a full-time agent a year later in 1994 after selling his landscape company. He is licensed in Iowa and Illinois and 
Jerry is one of these rare uh, types of agents who is able to successfully boo residential and commercial. So we're going to talk a little bit about how he manages both of those lanes. Um, he is also a graduate of the Realtors Institute and a certified negotiation expert. In my opinion, the most um, uh, one of the designations I think agents should explore because certainly is something you can tell your clients that you are a certified negotiation expert. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, also, he Jerry has served on the Professional Standards Committee, uh, the Grievance Committee, and the Commercial Committee, and now teaches classes to realtors on various topics at his local association. Um, Jerry, oh, I'm sorry, find, you can learn more about Jerry at his website. We will have a link to this in the show notes and in the description, which is QCBizBox, QCBIZBOS. X.com and goes over what Jerry is all about. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Well, Jerry and I just had, we were just talking um, uh, sort of backstage, of, uh, if that's the right expression. And uh, it was it was really a lot of fun because um, Jerry is, uh, you're, you're so much like like your son and he is is just such a wonderful uh, young man in, in this uh, Chicago market. And we we're so grateful to have him on the show. And now we're so happy to have you. So Thank you've you. been doing this. Congratulations on 30 years, by the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Been a long haul. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, right, right now, I well, actually, Jerry, let's talk about how you got in. So, you, so I know you were uh, in landscaping. You had a yeah. business, and yeah. why the switch from landscaping to, you know, I, I guess the way I think about it, the, uh, landscaping is one of those industries that seems to never go out of fashion. Um, and real estate, same people have to live somewhere. People need to maintain their their properties, uh, their lawns, et cetera. So why the switch from, from landscaping uh, all those yeah, years yeah. ago? Uh, well, thank you for asking. I, I've done many, many things, DJ. I've had, I've had a very, I tell people all the time, if I die tomorrow, I have lived the full life. I've been a drummer in a heavy metal band for a long time. I raced motorcycles semi-professionally. I uh, I sold life insurance. I was a welder at John Deere. I've been an auto mechanic. I've been a contractor, many, many different things. And uh, I, I found a love of landscape back in the late 80s, early 90s, and still do a lot of it today. But, um, you know, the body only holds up for so long. They don't make a laptop that'll plant a 400-pound tree. So um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that takes its toll after a while. But I had always had an interest in real estate. And uh, it, here in the Midwest, and landscape season you know, is pretty short-lived. And when it gets November, December, all of a sudden there's no lawns to mow, you're not planting flowers, and, and uh, the ground is frozen for doing any planting. So the winters would be scarce, very scarce. And I was actually working in a body shop, and I was getting paid $100 a car to paint cars out in Geneseo, Illinois. No heat, had a little space heater, and uh, this guy was flipping cars, and he gave me 100 bucks a car to paint them. I was miserable, and, <laughs> and uh, I was sitting in this little office, and I happened to be reading a newspaper on my lunch break, and uh, it said, a career in real estate, reading in the newspaper, and I'm like, I've always had an interest in real estate to see what it's like, so um, I had to borrow the money, long story short. You know, I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. I had to borrow the money to go to my real, get my real estate class started, and I did. I went through it, passed the class with flying colors, passed my test. And then next, you know, here I am, a real estate agent. And that was in uh, April of 93. Still had my landscape company. Uh, and as you know, real estate being a commission business, I'd never worked in a commission world before. Um, uh, it was scarce to start with, you know, because uh, 
It is far too easy. Here's my quote of the day. It is far too easy to get a real estate license. It, it, there are so many people in this industry who shouldn't be in it. And, and let me preface DJ by saying I'm probably going to say something that offends someone today because I love your show. Um, uh, the, the name of your show is very fitting. So let, we're going to get real here today. Let's get real. Yeah, there you go. So, um, you know, I started out like most other agents taking open houses from, from the big producers who didn't want to do them. And uh, at the time, I was working for the one of the largest brokers in the Quad Cities. They were the largest broker in the Quad Cities at the time. And we had this thing called floor duty, where you could sit at this table in this little office for two-hour shifts. Each agent got two-hour shifts. And any phone calls that came into the office inquiring about listings went to the floor duty person. And that was your business to capitalize. So I was taking as many floor duty sessions as I could get. Most of them in the evening hours, 5 to 7, 5 to 6 because I was out planting trees and mowing lawns during the day. Um, and what had happened was I was getting busy enough uh, after floor duty and open houses that I would literally change clothes three and four times a day. I would go out and mow two lawns, change clothes, go show a house, go out and plant two trees, change clothes, go out and show a house. That was going on and on for months. And the turning point for me was um, I had a showing at a, at a condominium in East Moline and I was planting trees all day. I was mud from head to toe and uh, I was late for my appointment, like 15 minutes late. And I did not have time to go home and change clothes. So I drove to the appointment with my rig, had my, you know, my mowers and everything sticking out the back. I'm in my landscape gear. I'm mud from knees down to my boots, dried mud. And as I walk up to the showing, I'm 15 minutes late. And the gentleman is sitting on the front porch of this condo oh. on the front stoop. And I said, hi, my name is Jerry Walking. I'm the realtor here to show you the property. And he just looked at me. He goes, uh, are you a real estate agent? And I said, yes, sir. And I also a landscape company. And this was the turning point in my career. This day, this gentleman looked at me, he had a very stern look on his face. And he said, I'm not interested in a part-time agent. The next ah. week, the next week, I sold the company. I sold the landscape company and went 100% into real estate. That was a big jump. And I went five months, my first five months with no paycheck. And uh, I'd been used to, you know, having steady income. I had employees, I had trucks, I had, you know, uh, plenty of um, uh, contracts to do. I sold my company to my dad, who was retired from the military, looking for something to do. He, by the way, today still runs that same company to this day uh, off of a lot of the same clients that we had back in the early 90s. But it was that push of that gentleman telling to me, telling me I'm not interested in a part time agent that made me go, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue to go changing clothes three or four times a day. This went on for months and it was wearing me out and I wasn't succeeding at a high level at either position now, you know, because right. I'm part-time landscaper, part-time real estate agent. So it was probably the greatest slap of reality I could ever get for him to say that. And that's when it turned and I started taking off from there. And um, I was lucky enough to have a broker by the name of Irene Romeo who said to me, you've got great stuff, kid. You need to go to GRI now. That's where you need to get. So I did my my first full-time year. I started GRI. I did the, I think he did a fall session, spring session, fall session. I did them consecutively, learned a lot, and it catapulted me forward on being able to get my business started and growing. So I've been surrounded by a lot of great people who helped me get started and, and saw something in me that was worth, that was worth nurturing. So um, I, I'm very fortunate that way. 
And for any of our, our listeners who aren't familiar with GRI, do you mind sharing just a little bit about what that is for us? Yeah, our that's a Graduate Realtors Institute. One, one of the things I noticed today, we, we I've written several real estate classes. Um, uh, my partner, Deborah and I, we've written classes. She does all the technical stuff, the PowerPoints and all that. And we presented these classes to realtors and now the board of realtors has picked them up. But um, GRI is a class, is a segment of classes from everything how, about marketing, about personal growth, about the real estate industry, about appraisal. It, it's a great place for residential agents to go and get a lot of education in a short period of time. Cause that's like four and five consecutive days of, of classes. And one of the things that I have noticed is now is brokerages, uh, 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 at least in our area, and please know everything I'm saying is based on our area because that's what I know. They're fragmenting so much. It used to be uh, in the early 90s, there, there were two 800-pound gorillas here in town, and they controlled everything. One of them controlled 52% of the market at one time. So every other house was listed by this brokerage. Well, as these um, other companies have come into play, Keller Williams, EXP, um, and all these other companies that are coming, it's fragmented the talent. But what happens when you fragment the talent, unfortunately, is those startup brokerages don't have the resources or the time to train those agents properly. And that, that creates, now we've got an industry full of the blind leading the blind. Um, yeah. And it gets chaotic. And, and you can ask any veteran agent most of the time. It's the new agents that uh, are exciting to watch when they're growing, but they're also the ones that tend to get in the way. And it's not their fault. It's because nobody's teaching them. And that's why I said earlier, it's far too easy to get a real estate license because real estate um, pre-license course, they don't teach you anything about the business. You know, it's all law and agency and all of those sort of things, but don't teach you anything about getting through a transaction, how to get through a bad appraisal, how to get through a bad home inspection. And, and, and uh, in my opinion, commercial, this is just my opinion, commercial and residential should be two completely different licenses. Why one Agreed. person is able to do both is, is beyond me. They are two different animals. But um, so G, back to GRI, what GRI does is takes for a small brokerage or a brokerage who doesn't have a training or a mentor program, put those new agents through GRI, put them through CRS. The CRS and the GRI courses will, will teach you years and years of knowledge that you're not getting just by bumping and banging your way through the pinball machine. Um, uh, and, and you learn for, you know, I, I've said I, I, I've got enough credit hours from the School of Hard Knocks that I could graduate with a master's degree now. So, but uh, luckily I was at a brokerage that had a great training program. We had some great, we had a mentor program in place that was very, very helpful. So GRI, CRS for residential agents starting up, that is one of the first places that I would go to start getting your real estate training, unless your brokerage offers it. Or even in addition to what your brokerage offers. Even in addition um, to what your offers. Because I tend to, what I see a lot of is a lot of training and exercise and efforts put in the areas of lead generation. Lead generation is awesome. But if you get a bunch of leads and you don't know how to convert them or you don't know how to keep their transactions together, you're shooting fish in a barrel and are coming right back to life again through another agent somewhere. It's a bad experience for everyone all around when you don't have knowledge and skills to close a transaction. Yeah. And let's talk about the current sort of climate for realtors right now. So we're recording this. So it's, we're getting close to Thanksgiving uh, 2023. We know interest rates are are higher than 
buyers would prefer in relation to where they were three years ago, not in relation to historic averages, but the buyer temperature out there has cooled a bit because of the interest rates. A lot of people are locked in or at least feel maybe locked in to a, a refinance rate they did years ago. I know I, I feel this way. I have a 3% rate on my uh, primary uh, residence and I don't want to give that up. And right. so we have a lot of people like me uh, who are in a similar situation. So there's not much inventory, obviously not as many buyers flooding the market. And also it's the end of the year that tends to slow things down as well. So Jerry, you've been doing this 30 years. What do you know that people who haven't been through this kind of uh, part of the or cycle of the business, maybe it's, maybe it, uh, some part of the down cycle, what do you know that, that or what would you say to somebody who's who's struggling right now uh, yeah. in this area? Uh, uh, great question. So, so where I pride myself, mostly DJs in my, um, I, I have, you know, I'm not one of the top 1% producers as we talked about earlier, but, but I can weather the storm because I can wear many hats. Um, being as, as um, well experienced in both residential and commercial as I am, it allows me to adapt in many different ways. I can go where the hunt is, and I'm very comfortable going where the hunt is. There's no conversation with any agent that I'm not comfortable having now, regardless of what you produce. Um, um, I, can, I can hold that conversation with you. And there was times when, when I remember in down markets, it, it, it wasn't so much, um, where's my next lead? Where's my next deal? It was, what can I learn to get me that next lead? What can I learn to get me that next deal? I've, I've always w built my career on being the chased, not the chaser. And the way I've done that is by learning things and getting uh, in-depth knowledge on different ways to do things. So, you know, when I came in the business in 1993, interest rates were still double digit. So when we hear people talk about now the interest rates are climbing, interest rates are climbing. My first house was 11.75%. And that was on a special lottery drawing rate. Um, I had to stand in line at 530 in the morning to get a lottery ticket to get this special low rate of 11.75%. And I was one of the people chosen. So uh, yes, rates have increased. They've doubled from where we were a year or so ago in some cases. But when those things happened, like when 2008, 2009 rolled around, there was a huge change. Foreclosures were coming on the market everywhere. So my adaption was if, there, if there's foreclosures and things that's coming on the market, that means the investors are coming out of the woodwork. So how do I get to work with the investors? I got to learn the investment game. And I had some real estate investments before. But I dove deep into figuring out net operating income and, and uh, what is a vacancy factor and, and uh, what's, what's my um, cost coming in? What's the cost outlay going to be for if I purchase this home for $36,000? What's it going to cost to get it up to one hundred and ten dollars so you can be profitable? Learned about holding costs, all of those sort of things. A lot of it I knew already in the back of my mind, but I moved it to the forefront of the mind. So as the market changes, and it is changing, you need to look at other ways that you can be helpful, that you can be of service to the public, that you can be of service maybe to other agents. Because when you don't have something to offer, there's no reason for anyone to call you. So, right. so you know, I, just got, I just got a call uh, yesterday from a gentleman who wanted to fight um, his property taxes. Um, his assessment um, went up considerably. So we took a look at his properties and I called him yesterday and I said, uh, I said Chuck, you might want to keep your mouth shut. They got you assessed at $65 a square foot. Shh, be quiet. <laughs> Don't play that game because 
you should be higher than what they're assessing you at. So it just that piece of advice and information alone was priceless to him because he was sure. about to spend $900, $1,000 on two appraisals. So just by giving that information, but he's called me multiple times over the last three or four years. We've done two or three transactions with this gentleman. But so the point being, there's always somebody buying something. There's always somebody selling something. How do you get in front of those people and how can you be valuable to that particular part of the market? When it becomes an investor market, be valuable to the investors. If it's a buyer's market, be valuable to the buyers. If it's a seller's market, be valuable to the sellers. And, and just constant, ever-changing um, of adaptability, learning to be adaptable to what's in front of you right now. I, I talked to an agent uh, a couple of years ago, and when the 2008 crash hit, uh, his business dropped dramatically. So he learned how to fight tax assessments. And he was charging people, I think $150 or something like that, to put together their tax assessment battle. He would give them all the information and they would go to the Board of Appeals and, and fight their taxes. But that kept him alive, kept him in the game, yeah. kept him relevant. And so then when those people, when the market started to turn, they come to list or sell, he's the guy they call because he got them out of a bad situation or whatever. So I'm very big on knowing the game, not just being in the game, but knowing the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was, you were giving so many great examples there. I was thinking, you know, about the current situation where I, I don't know what the percentage is anymore. I want to say it's 85% of homeowners in the US have a mortgage rate of less than 4%. That may not be true with a capital T, but it's close enough to where we have a lot of these people like myself, uh, you know, anyone who has a mortgage who's refinanced or, or, you know, in the last several years probably has a pretty attractive rate. So I think there's a huge opportunity for agents to start having conversations with people like me, people who feel trapped, not trapped, but locked into the slow rate and say, actually, there are some creative solutions. If you did want to move right now, there are ways we can sort of, uh, you know, navigate through high interest rate environments like to like buy downs, for example, there there are, this is, and this I think is really, really where a good agent is separating separate from, uh, you know, really divides the good agents from, from the not good agents because the good agents will, will, will call somebody before they call them going, Hey, I'm thinking about buying or selling right now because maybe, maybe, there's lots of people right now that aren't thinking about that. But if it was me, I would be calling everybody I know saying, hey, I just want to give you my take on what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And if you are thinking of a move, we do have some options and creative ways to explore that. Um, but again, just establishing that, as you said, I'm just not in the market. I know the market. I know yeah. what's going on. I yeah. think that's so important. Yeah. yeah. And well, to touch on what you said about the buy downs, that there's one of the things right there that you you should be focusing on right now as an agent coming up in the game. How does financing work? And one of the first things that I started learning about when I got into the business, I, I would notice uh, and mind you, I was in the business before the pre-approval thing was a big deal. <laughs> so um, now it's it's pretty much standard. But I remember you could get pre-approval letters and everybody that was like gold then. Um but I sat down with a lender, her name was Brenda Wild. One day I talked to her on the phone and I said, Brenda, what, what are my qualifying ratios when I'm talking to people? I want to know when I'm holding these conversations with people about buying that. Yes, you can afford to buy. So many times, EJ, if somebody said, well, I can't afford to buy. 
well, where are you living now? Well, I, I rent a little apartment. How much are you paying? $1,300 a month? Well, $1,300 a month here in the Quad Cities. You know, our market is, is about a third of what you are there in Chicago. $1,300 a month will buy you a $140,000, $150,000 house. And a lot of people don't even realize that. So I've had a lot of success in converting renters into home buyers because yes. they didn't think that they could buy, not realizing what it costs. They don't understand down payment. They don't understand closing costs. So there again, whenever you've got storms like this happening, there's usually programs that all of a sudden spring up to help keep the market afloat. So you learn about first-time homebuyer programs. You learn about programs for veterans that veterans can use. There's usually something out there to help people. So you have to go learn that program. Because let's face it, if you're doing 30, 40 transactions a year, and then all of a sudden that drops to 15, you need to make up that difference somewhere if you're going to stay in the game. This is when we see markets like this is when we'll see the agent counts start to drop. It happens yeah. all the time. And as, as uh, the real estate market picks up, all of a sudden, everybody wants to be a realtor because they've watched HDTV and they I like houses. I love that's my reason for getting in the business because I like houses. Okay, let's see how long that lasts after you've shown 137 of them in four days. <laughs> but um, anyhow, just learning where there's always an apple to pick somewhere and it's watching closely and learning to see what that is there's always nothing stops dead there's always some movement somewhere well and you said something really important earlier which was about providing value being of service and yes that really is the name of the game in, in my uh, in my Amen. opinion and it's yeah it's it's really uh I think it's it's a creative, fun thing to 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 consider uh, for your business because you know we we have this database of of customers we have or, or prospects and we go gosh I don't what do I why why would I I don't have any reason to call so and so well you should have reasons to call them you should know a lot about every one of your uh, contacts in your database you should know what's going on in their lives and you and if nothing else if there's nothing to talk about with real estate you could at least contact them and. and celebrate things that they're experiencing or, mm -hmm. or helping them with any, like, you know, Jerry, for example, is, you know, he has been doing this 30 years. Do you think he knows the best roofers in town? Of course he does. Uh, he knows the best accountants. He, he knows the best inspectors. So Jerry has, is his breadth of a wide breadth of information um, that he gets to then reach out to, to his sphere and say, Hey, I'm your guy. I know these things. And of course that takes time to develop lists like that. But if you can start to put your value proposition together and, and start to Think about how can I continuously add value? People only buy and sell, whatever, five to 10 years, seven to 10 years, whatever it is. So you better figure out something that you can do in those seven to 10 year windows where you're going to stay in front of them. And it's probably not just your real estate email newsletter. Hey, that's fine. Whatever, it's fine. But you should be thinking about other things that those customers actually want to learn about uh, during that time mm -hmm. um, to obviously just keep your name in front of them. Yeah, and being very involved with your community. That's where Alex has had huge success, being very yes. involved in your community. Be become the, the source. I just had a guy text me here last week. He goes, you're my source, man. When I need something, you're my source. I'm like, what a great compliment. It, it, and oh, actually, he just before you and I got online, I was texting a previous client who's like, hey, I need somebody to put windows in. Who do you suggest? You know, being that go-to source that keeps you in front of people uh, a lot of times. But being involved with your community is another big way because people recognize your name and i've been around long enough now you know i can be it be anywhere menards or lowe's and i'll put down my debit card and the person will go oh you the real estate guy <laughs> yeah, yeah that's awesome you know that, that they know you for that but 
Uh, yeah, there, there's um, this being involved uh, on different levels and being of service to everyone around you. Um, that part, I think I've done very well. I've been very fortunate to be able to help a lot of people with a lot of things. And a lot of times, DJ, the business comes to me just because of those things, not, not, yeah. not because I'm out, you know, pushing my Facebook post or, or I'm the greatest realtor in time. None of that. It's just because I've established a relationship on a different level through a different avenue. And they know you're the real estate guy, right? Yeah. Why do you ask? You buying or selling? Well, I'm thinking about selling my mom's house, whatever. Next thing you know, that conversation is going. Whenever someone says to me, you're the real estate guy, right? I always say, are you buying or selling? Yes, I am. And then we go from there. The conversation springs I, into something. I love that. It reminded me of uh, one of one of the interviews I had uh, a few uh, a year or so ago, where a woman gave a suggestion that I had not heard before, and it's so simple, and um, that you know, if you have a local newspaper, for example, most most uh, you know markets do, and you know, reach out to who's ever in charge of. Uh, the real estate portion of not not necessarily the advertising, but if anyone's you know the real estate person to talk about what's going on real estate wise in the community, and start sending them stats. Say, hey, Mister and Mrs. Reporter, I've got some stats about mm-hmm. what's going on out here. I thought maybe that would be helpful for you because they're looking for content. And and I said, oh, that's such a smart idea because people still read newspapers, and as much as we think people don't, some some people do, of course. And this is another way to get your name out there and yeah. to be seen as an expert when you can help. A, a journalist with um, making sense of, of what's going on out there. there. There's a million ways to do it, uh, to be of service and to be of value. And I, I want to make a big, strong push, Jerry, with your help to encourage our audience to get involved with their local association. Um, I want to talk about uh, why that's important and, and how that can benefit the individual, because I wish I would have done that uh, 14 years ago. I just started getting involved about five years ago. And I wish I could go back and get involved at our local level earlier because what it did for me, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, what it did for me is not only did it, did it, is it a lot of fun and we do a lot of good work and we're, you know, here to support the industry, the, the real estate industry. And I got to make some wonderful friends along the way, people who are like-minded, people who want to see the industry succeed, and also just mastermind with all these great agents who also give back. And so I, I've learned more about the industry. I have a better social life, and um, and I'm doing good out there, or I, I think we're doing some some version of good out there. So I'm just, just curious. And also, there's so many great things the associations offer that the members oftentimes don't take advantage of, trainings, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things. But just, I, I want to make a pitch for everybody to consider getting involved uh, and just want to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, there Again, when I first got in my career, I was so blessed to have um, uh, Irene Romeo who pushed me towards GRI. But I was also to, still to this day, I hear this gentleman's voice. I see his face and, and I, I ask questions. Sometimes I get in a situation and I'll, and I'll be to myself, what would Fred tell me to do? Fred Dasso, the best broker in the business as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's just a wealth of knowledge, and and um, he always has an answer, uh, even if he has to make it up. He always has an answer, but I just love talking with him. He's just full of wisdom. But um, both of those agents were very involved with the uh, – both those brokers were very involved with the board. They suggested I get involved with the board, and I did. I got involved with the board very early on with the uh, professional standards, the grievance committee, the regional professional standards, 
um, um, sitting on different various committees throughout the board. And we have a dynamite board of realtors, but it teaches you, uh, not only do you get to know the players and who's who in real estate, but you also see um, the adversity sometimes that people are dealing with from a whole different perspective. See, it's very easy as an agent to, you have a rub with another agent somewhere and you're defending your position. But if you get out of yourself and get into what is that person experiencing? And by being on the board and hearing, especially on like the grievance committees and professional standards, you hear those stories and things going on. And then you start to have a little, little more compassion for, I get it. I know why they got in this position, but it helps getting yourself in that position, you know, at some point in time. And, and it just helps move the board forward as well. So I, I cringe a little bit when somebody complains about some, well, the board raised the rates again. Well, of course they did. Just look at the economy in general. That's not the board trying to gouge you. The board's trying to keep up. So I, I, I get a little offended sometimes when people complain about a board because our board does a lot for us. Uh, we have a great MLS. We have a great key safe system. We have great leadership. We're in great position financially. And that's all from having good people sitting at the table. So you learn a lot from the inner workings um, of the business when you're involved at the board level as well. It's not You're not just seeing it from your little perspective. It's seeing it from the overall um marketplace that you're in so highly highly encouraged getting involved with the board at some point in time all right i couldn't agree with you more i i think i'd be shocked if it didn't result in actually indirectly getting you more business even though that's not why you're going oh, to do it oh, well sure um, it does yeah that's I, yeah. I think i told you earlier a lot of the commercial referrals i get are from residential agents even from other brokerages um they, they have their own brokers and they'll refer me uh, people because i can speak their language or i've sat on a committee with them and uh, at some point in time so i've, I've established that relationship you know uh, there's a great a dynamite agent here in the quad cities his name is john locust and and he's told me once i saw him last year at a class i was teaching and he said you know you have two reputations in this business one from your peers and one from the public and and that is very true that is very true so yeah, I want to. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that for Jerry again. We have two reputations in our industry: one with our peers. Remember, it is called a cooperative commission. Everybody, cooperative yeah. compensation, and uh, and and with our our clients as well. So yeah. those are two separate things. And oftentimes, the relationship between uh, the the agent and the customer might be different from the agent and to other agents. And you want to have a good relationship with both because you both have to play in the same sandbox. Absolutely, and, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah. Um, I want to I want to talk about the importance of learning the market. So when when people are are newer to the industry, of course the primary focus is on lead generation as it probably should be and they also have to become good at the job, which of course mm -hmm. we're talking about skills. So I want to talk about actually becoming a good realtor. So there's the marketing side, the lead gen side. We I've talked about that a a ton on this show over the years, um, million ways to lead generate. I I would like to speak to you and get some best practices in your opinion about if if I was a newer agent and I'm focusing on a a local area, um, how might I start to learn about the actual inventory, um, price points? You know what what do you recommend? Because ultimately you do want to be an expert in some 
some geographical area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, again, that's where Alex has excelled. He's learned his neighborhood just by walking the streets, getting involved with neighborhood associations, those sort of things. And and myself, because we're in the Quad Cities, there, there's a, a large difference between the Iowa and Illinois sides of the river, um, valuation-wise. Big difference. In fact, the joke is for a lot of us, it's not the Mississippi River, it's the Mississippi Ocean. Because it, there is a huge divide between the two sides of the states. If you're an outsider um, coming in, a lot of it looks like one big city here to us. But from those of us who live here, it's very territorial, the difference between Iowa and Illinois. And, and um, the Iowans, to try to get somebody from Iowa to come to Illinois is very difficult. Although there's one little catch to that. Um, but uh, we there seems to be more people moving from Illinois going to the Iowa side. The property taxes are less, those sort of things. So by, by knowing your market is knowing not only the price of the home, the sale price of the home, how many days on market. That's all stuff you can get from your stats and by looking at it. But knowing what makes those areas tick, what makes those neighborhoods work, like Alex talks about the neighborhoods that he's worked in. He knows the historical um, the history of a lot of those homes. He knows who owns those homes. He knows who lives in them now, those sort of things. Same as myself. I look at things more from a, I'm a very mechanical person. I'm, I'm blessed with the ability to fix or build anything. In fact, 20 minutes before I got online with you, I was I was. Um, putting brick and mortar on some columns I'm building outside. But um, uh, I learned the neighborhoods from the architecture, from the years they were built, from the mechanicals that were used to build them. Like, for example, you know, a, a, a simple example would be here. We have certain neighborhoods that have this um, sewer system called Orangeburg Pipe. Not all four cities have had it. Moline hardly used it at all. Rock Island uses it a lot. Bettendorf, the older parts of Bettendorf used it. Northwest Davenport used it a lot. It's failing across the board. It's getting old enough now that it's collapsing. It's not a question of will it collapse, it's just when. So by when I'm representing buyers going through those particular neighborhoods, I'm asking, uh, is that house in, in, in was Orangeburg Pipe used there? Because that's going to set forth an inspection that maybe I would not use in Moline. Um, so knowing your market that way, not only valuations and wise, but what makes that neighborhood work? Where are the city streets? Where is their development coming? Like uh, if you go to Bettendorf and North Davenport, you know, the 53rd Avenue corridor, I know you don't know what that is, but 20 years ago, that was cornfield. Now it's 200,000 plus per acre um, to go out there. So uh, if I'm leading an investor and he's going to be looking for long-term buy and hold properties, let's go where the growth is next. You know, so we, our, our cash flow may be a little less right now, but in the end result of, of property value increase. So it's knowing the market that way as well and not just uh, average um uh, sale price and things of that nature. There's so many other things in the intrinsic values is what I call it. What else is happening there? Are there school closings coming up? Are there school boards emerging? Uh, is, is there, we just had a new Amazon development that come into town here this year. You know, where is that? What's going to happen around that area? We have an area called the TBK that's growing like wildfire out there. Um, those sort of things. It's knowing the market from, from that aspect as well as the dollar values and things of that nature. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I was just thinking the one specific example about the Amazon, like a distribution center or mm -hmm. whatever's coming, yes. coming out your way. That's a really, it's a really interesting um, sort of comment because 
there is opportunity there because now we know they're going to be hiring people to work at this particular plant, or maybe they already have people there, but just getting curious about what is that going to do? Where are those people going to come from who are going to work there? Where will those people maybe Mm -hmm. live? What would their commute look like if they are coming from further away and maybe they now want to move closer to the facility? You know, where's, where are the, the school districts that are desirable for people, you know, understanding that, uh, what the needs of, of those, you know, what here's what's coming uh, situations, I think, are are make you just incredibly valuable. You're you're more proactive than reactive because, yes. yes. Um, I wanted I wanted to also switch gears and talk a little bit about commercial because this is we have about 800 agents at our firm and boy, a lot of them who are really residential agents go, I would like to dabble a little bit in commercial. And of course, that's like, what does that even mean? Because there's lots of different sectors of commercial. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not just a, you can't paint it all with the same brush. Commercial could mean lots and lots of different things. But you, you really straddle both, which is impressive and difficult. So I'm curious about how did you get into commercial and why? Um, Being a Uh, Being a business owner in the past, um, commercial use was important to me um, because I needed space. I needed a shop space. And it's probably one of the calls I get most is for people for shop space. But um, I just had an interest in it and watching it. And and I like math and working with numbers. You work with numbers a lot. And I noticed there was a void. Um, There was a void in that marketplace as far as um, people being serviced. And a lot of it was from intimidation. Um, a a person wants to start a business and they're not sure where they're going to find space or they don't know what a triple net lease is. They don't know the difference between a triple net and a gross. And they don't know what cam charges are. And it wasn't being explained to them on many levels. And and, um, there used to be signs. I remember seeing signs up that would say in front of a space that would say available. Well, what does available mean? Does it mean it's for sale? Does it mean it's for rent? What what does available mean? And I, so I just started learning the language itself and uh, managed to get into a couple of transactions and uh, started learning from there. But there's the difference, DJ. I started learning. I didn't just do the transaction and get a commission and walk away. I wanted to know the why. Uh, how does it work? So, so, you know, started doing a lot of reading leases, just just going through them and reading. What does that mean? Calling the attorney and say, okay, this clause says this. What exactly does that mean? And took a CCIM course, some different CCIM courses, uh, reading articles in Realtor Magazine, uh, truly learning what it's like or what it is to be a commercial practice. Because I, I truly believe with the whole of my heart that commercial and residential should be two different licenses. Um, and, and they're not. And unfortunately, you know, uh, I, I was re- looking at one of your podcasts from another gentleman. I can't remember where he's from, but he's, he's talked about staying in your lane and referring out. I think he said when he bought his own house, he referred to a residential agent to buy his own house because he didn't know that area. And unfortunately, our license gives us the ability to list and sell just about anything. And um, that creates problems. And, you know, the commercial practitioners, they get irritated when a residential person is trying to do a deal with them. 
um, and I can see why, then that agent will call me and say, well, he won't talk to me or won't give me the information. And it's because you're not going to know what to do with it, even if they gave it to you. And, and if you're going to represent a tenant, for example, let's take a tenant um, that's going to go uh, and lease this space. And it's $13 a square foot, you know, net lease. And you got a cam of $7 a square foot and you can't calculate that rent. Or you look at their lease and you can't determine if it has an escalation clause. And what is that escalation clause? What is the escalation clause based on as far as the rent increase? those sort of things. There's so much trouble that you can get a person into um, because you didn't know how to play that particular game or didn't know how to guide them. And you should really stay out of that because if you think about it, I take it very personal as my responsibility. If I'm representing a tenant and I'm getting oh, We have Jerry there for just a second. He'll be popping right back in. So bear with us just a moment. There's Jerry. Okay. Once. All right. That's okay. You were just finishing up with, um, well, you were just talking about, about commercial and, and um, how uh, maybe referring out is, you know, staying in one's lane and, and yeah. not necessarily practicing until you're competent, so, yeah, yeah, to, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so if you're going to do a commercial, to you use the term dabble. I hear that all the time. I don't want yeah, to dabble, dabble. dabble in commercial. Don't, don't dabble. You're, the financial responsibility that you have for that client uh, is huge. And it could be the determining factor of their business profitable or not because you got them in a bad lease in a bad position or something or they made a bad purchase. And there's so much more than just pricing and dollar per square foot and all that. It's what are the environmental, what's the environmental outlay look like? You know, is there potential problems there? I lost a listing once because uh, uh, I noticed a, uh, a test spot on the building and I asked the gentleman about it and he's like, oh, that's nothing. I'm like, no, it's not nothing because across the parking lot, I see a trailer over there. This says environmental survey or something. I'm like, what, what, what is this all about? Come to find out he had been contaminated by a neighboring gas station and he didn't want anyone to know that. And so when I asked him to prove to me, you've got a clean site, um, it cost him $5,000, but it, it, it made him angry and he pulled the listing from me and I was okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Take that list right. if you can't be honest with it. But um, yeah, so you, you've got to know the game. It's more than just making a commission because you can make huge, especially in commercial, you can make some really big mistakes. And people are relying on you, the expert, and you did not give them expert advice. Yeah, I agree. So if, if you know, or at the very least, partner with a commercial mm -hmm. agent and be, you know, their apprentice yeah. or, or be their shadow, uh, while you are educating yourself on the transaction, just make, make your life as easy as possible. Uh, don't, uh, don't take on clients that you can't obviously yeah, yeah, service. No, it's, it's just not going to no, work. It's not only make yeah. your life easy, but it's take care of that client the best way you can. And some way, you know, I would not go to my dentist to get my ankle operated on. They're both in the medical profession, but, you know, they'd be able to figure right. it out maybe. But no, um, I take that responsibility very, very personally, and, and I wish more agents would do so. There's a lot to know in the commercial world, and you need to learn that game. Yes, you can bang your way through. I'm happy to help anyone who will get through a transaction, but um, I, I don't partner very often. I've been asked to do 50-50. I've always turned it down except for one occasion. Um, because it won't be 50-50. It'd be more like 75-25. And so I, I've offered it, if, if someone wants to 50-50, look, I'll coach you through if you want to try the, um, 
if you want to try the transaction, but you need to put in your time. You need to, to serve your pain because um, there's a lot to learn. And it's not going to be as easy as you think it is. Yeah, I agree. I, I think for everyone listening right now, there, there's, there, you know, to sort of recap everything Jerry was was talking about on the show, we, we on this episode, I think we're really speaking of his competence and I think, or, or yes. skill development maybe yes. is a better way to say it. Let's make 2024 the year of skill development. So what, what how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to lean on your brokerage for additional trainings. You're going to seek out certifications like GRI, certified negotiation expert like Jerry, uh, who who's does both. Um, you're going to reach out to your local association, not just to, to maybe serve on a committee, but also to find out what are they offering? Uh, what sort of trainings uh, and support are they providing to agents? Remember, we do pay our associations quite a bit of money, so they are are lots of services. I'm I'm on our member care task force here in Chicago. I didn't even know all of the benefits and services that we provide to our members yeah. until I, now I'm the vice chair of the committee and uh, I still don't know them all by heart. So reach out to your local association, especially if you're struggling and say, hey, I am struggling right now. Do you have any suggestions for classes I can take, people I can talk to? So, you know, And also, as Jerry said, you know, we got to learn the market, right? So this is a great opportunity to really do a deep dive into your local market, get that expertise so that when people do reach out to you, you have knowledge about mm. what's going on. Jerry, of course, does 30 years in the business. Um, I think this is a, a great place to wrap up. I do want to encourage anyone who's a buyer, seller, an investor, uh, commercial or residential, who is interested in doing something in the Quad Cities area, Jerry Wilking is your man. Um, please reach out to him. Jerry, if there are any buyer, sellers, investors out there that would love to speak to somebody with your expertise, what's the best way they should reach um, out to you? Best way for me, actually, DJ, is to text me um, because I respond to text. We get so many bombarded with people trying to sell us internet services and marketing services. <laughs> text me because then I'll, I have a greater chance of knowing that you're real <laughs> and that you're legit. So, um, but Or email. Email works for me very well also. Yeah, uh, do you mind sharing uh, your, your yeah, number? Yeah, the number is 309-373-0373. And the email is jerrywalking, kw at gmail.com. Well, Jerry Walking, Keller Williams Quad Cities, uh, not only a 30 year veteran in the industry, amazing reputation and has uh, now a, a son who is crushing it here in the Chicago market. This is the first time we've done a father-son, not a combined episode, but had a father and son on the show at different times. So uh, it is it is no surprise uh, how, why, how and why Alex is doing so well, Jerry. So congrats to you on your career and also on um, raising uh, another yeah. realtor Thank in the family you. who is not just not just surviving, but thriving and thriving in this market. So please check out Alex's episode and let's send Jerry's episode to anyone else in your area, uh, any other realtor that may be struggling right now. Guess what? Everybody's struggling mm -hmm. a little bit right now. So send them a link to this episode. The best way you can help us, uh, our listeners, is by telling a friend. Just think of one other realtor that could benefit from all the great stuff Jerry said and shoot them over a link to this episode. Also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We would greatly appreciate it. On behalf of our audience, we want to thank Jerry for coming on. We appreciate you, Jerry. Thank you. You gave us 
tons of great strategic uh, sort of objectives that we can do right now. And on behalf of our audience, I want to thank Jerry for spending his time with us today. Uh, we will see everybody on the next episode. Thank you, Thanks, DJ. Jerry. You're awesome. Thank you, man. Oh, 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 oh